Welcome to Explain It for the fourth Sunday of Lent. And the gospel lesson is taken from John chapter 6, verses 1 through 15. And it speaks of the feeding of the 5,000. Now we get a parallel account of uh, this text in Matthew chapter 14. And in Matthew chapter 14, we also get some context. Uh, Matthew 14 speaks of this grisly and diabolical uh, scene, the beheading of John the Baptist. In Matthew chapter 14, beginning at verse 9, it says, Herod then ordered that her request, the her is the daughter of Herodias who had danced before him, uh, that her request be granted and had John beheaded in the prison. And his head was brought in on a platter and given to the girl who carried it to her mother. And then the text says, John's disciples came and took his body and buried it. And then they went and told Jesus. When Jesus heard what had happened, he withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. Now, when something like this occurs, John the Baptist, uh, a partner in the ministry, the forerunner, uh, when he is beheaded, uh, there's all these fears uh, in ministry, failures, uh, even fatigue, and uh, such events uh, crush the soul, don't they? Uh, the body is weary, and and even then the heart grows cold, cold to the mission, cold uh, to other people. But Jesus says, and in, in, again, another parallel account in Mark chapter 6, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. So he with, uh, with, uh, drew by boat, the text says, to this solitary place. But hearing of this, uh, the crowds followed him on foot from the towns, and when Jesus landed on, uh, the, on the shore, he saw this large crowd, and the text says he had compassion on them, and he healed their sick. Now, ministry is about more, 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 isn't it? When we're fighting uh, the devil and the world and our own sinful flesh in this uh, corrupt and broken and sinful world, there's no, uh, there's no end to the line of hurting people. Uh, you heal one, uh, they tell five, and those five tell 50, and 50 turns into 500, and before you know it, you have a crowd over 5,000. And so uh, the temptation is to look at the crowd and say, there's so many, so many needs, and, and there's too few, too few hours in the day, too few resources, too few hands to help, so many attacks and threats. Uh, so many challenges and, and so many needs. But for Jesus, uh, the crowds are not in irritation. Uh, they're not an inconvenience. Uh, they're not an interruption. The text says that he is filled with compassion for them. Other parts of the gospel speak of uh, Jesus looking upon the crowds and, sa and says they're harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Jesus knows uh, the need is great, but he reminds us in this text that he can do much with uh, our little, that he can do much with the, the two fews that we always are speaking of and the so many uh, needs and challenges uh, that are among us in the ministry. Jesus has food. Now, he has food in two different ways, food for the body, and we're going to see that in this uh, miraculous text, uh, this daily food that he promises to us. But he has something more. He has food for the soul. Uh, he's going to be called the bread of life. 
Now, I think to understand uh, the feeding of the 5,000, it's helpful to to investigate and to see these Old Testament shadows that are also there in the text. Uh, These Old Testament shadows of God as the creator and we as the dependent creatures. the shadow of the exodus, the the wandering in the wilderness, the the manna that God himself provides. And also this idea of the prophet, uh, one like Moses, one like Elisha and Elijah, but one greater, the the prophet. Now, first of all, this this shadowing of uh, the creator providing for his creation. In Psalm uh, chapter 132, it says, I will bless her with abundant provisions, and her poor will I satisfy with food. And Psalm 145 speaks of the eyes, the eyes of all creation. The eyes of all look to you, and you give them their food at the proper time. You open your hand, and you satisfy the desires of every living thing. So, um, Throughout the Psalms, there's always this reference to who really is the one who provides the daily bread. He gives not too much, not too little, but as uh, Proverbs 30 speaks of, he gives just what is needed. He provides daily bread, and it comes from uh, his hand. The second shadow is that of the Exodus, and uh, there's these wilderness travelings, uh, but also the miraculous provision of God. Uh, in the desert, the providing of water from a rock, but also the manna and the quail. In Exodus chapter 16, it says, uh, in the desert, the whole community grumbled against Moses and Aaron. How soon they forgot where they came from, right? Uh, Verse 3 says, if only we had died by the Lord's hand in Egypt. And there we sat around pots of meat and ate all the food we wanted, but you have brought us out into this desert to starve this entire assembly by death. And then the text says, uh, the Lord spoke to Moses and he says, I will rain down bread from heaven for you. The people are to go out each day and gather enough for that day. In this way, I will test them and see whether they will follow my instructions. Uh, so there it is again, the creator providing the daily bread uh, for his creation. The third uh, shadow is that of the prophet, Uh, one greater than Moses, one greater than Elijah and Elisha is promised in the Old Testament. In Deuteronomy chapter 18, uh, it says, the Lord your God will rise up for you, will will raise up for you a prophet like me from among your own brothers, and you must listen to him. I will raise up for them a prophet like you, From among their brothers, I will put my words in his mouth, and he will tell them everything I command him. So there's these Old Testament shadows, that of a a God who creates and provides and gives daily bread. Uh, The image of the Exodus and the wandering in the wilderness and the miraculous provision of the manna, uh, but also the promise of the prophet, one greater than Moses, uh, one greater than Elijah or Elisha. So Jesus, in John, John chapter 6, we'll see, we'll, we'll see that he will be the reality of all of these shadows. In the feeding of the 5,000, we'll see that this comes from the very hand of God. That he is the one who is the prophet. That he is the one who is really 
the manna, the bread of life, and also living water. So John chapter 6, the text uh, beginning at verse 5, says, When Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming toward him, he said to Philip, Where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? And then the text says, He asked this only to test him, for he already had in mind what he was going to do. Now, sometimes we we see scarcity as a curse, right? And we're always uh, complaining and and wondering where uh, the daily bread is going to come. And um, like the Israelites saying, you know, this isn't enough. But scarcity can really be a sacred gift. In Deuteronomy chapter 8, it says there, uh, he humbled you, speaking to the Israelites. He humbled you, causing you to hunger and feeding you with manna, which neither you nor your fathers had known, to teach you, to teach you that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. And so this this sacred gift, um, perhaps at times, the sacred gift of scarcity teaches us not to live by bread alone, but rather on every word, on all the promises that come from the mouth of the Lord. So Philip answers Jesus, well, uh, eight months wages would not buy enough bread for each one to have a bite. He's done the, he's done the math, right? And he's figured it out over 5,000. And even if you had eight months wages, you're not going to be able to feed this crowd. Uh, Another disciple, Andrew, uh, which is Simon Peter's brother, uh, comes and, and he says, well, here's a boy and he has five small barley loaves and two, two small fish. Uh, but then again, the evaluation in the mind is how far, how far are these going to go among so many? Jesus uh, takes the loaves and he takes the fish and he blesses them. He breaks the bread. He distributes it to those who are seated. And the text says they had as much as they wanted. And then they gathered up the pieces that were left and nothing was wasted. And it says in the text that there were 12 baskets full with pieces of the five loaves left over by those who had had eaten. Now, after the people saw this, uh, obviously they're amazed. They say, this is this miraculous sign. And then they say, surely this is the prophet who is to come into the world. That's, again, that Old Testament image. Uh, the people of Israel waiting for the prophet, the promised one, the Messiah. Jesus, knowing uh, that they had other motives, earthly motives, uh, rather than spiritual ones, uh, Jesus, knowing that they intended to come and make him king by force, says he withdrew again to a mountain by himself. The crowds, um, they wanted a bread king. They wanted one who would provide them this daily physical bread, you know, day after day after day after day. Um, and in a physical way, they were wanting to come and make Jesus king. But Jesus wants to share with them, though he does provide daily bread, he is far more than a bread king. He is the bread of life. John chapter 6, verse 33. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world, Jesus says. Sir, they said, from now on, give us this bread, to which Jesus responds, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never go hungry, and he who believes in me will never be thirsty. 
Jesus takes little, and he does much with it. Now, that only goes for the physical realm. That also goes for the spiritual realm as well. The Apostle Paul says it this way in Ephesians chapter 3, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. So in the Lord's Prayer, you you get these two uh, phrases back to back. Give us this day our daily bread. And then immediately following, forgive us our trespasses. The give us this day our daily bread speaks of all the things that we need. Just not the food, but, you know, house and home and wife and children. uh, All that we need to support this body and life. And Jesus does provide that for us. Again, he is the creator. The triune God opens his hand and provides and supplies the needs for every living thing. He's the one who was in the wilderness, providing for the people uh, manna and quail and water. He is the prophet, the voice of God, giving to us all of his promises. So, in a physical way, he gives us bread. But, again, in a spiritual way, a far greater gift, forgive us our trespasses. I am the bread of life. I am living water. When you come to the Lord's Supper, you hear these words, take and eat and take and drink. This is the image again, the promise that when we receive the very body and blood of Christ, we have far greater gifts than something that is here today and then our our stomachs rumble a little bit and then we need to eat again the next day and the next day and the next day. But when we eat this bread, when we drink this cup, we receive the very body, the very blood of Christ. Jesus saying, I am the bread of life. I am living water. And so we can pray for the physical things of this world. Give us this day our daily bread. But how much greater do we receive that gift? The gift that Jesus came to give. And maybe the crowd again only saw the the physical bread king that they wanted and forgot that this is the king the Son of David, the Messiah, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. So give us this day our daily bread, but also forgive us. Forgive us our trespasses. Because when we have the forgiveness of sins, we have everything, don't we? Again, John 6, verse 35, Jesus declares, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never go hungry, And he who believes in me will never be thirsty.